Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode seven of the one, the only, the PDH pod, a Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and as always, let's go around the table to check in on my co-hosts from the East Coast. First up, Alcadron Dave Vader. How was your week, buddy? Uh, it was all right. We're, uh, we're on the road to recovery, and I am feeling pretty good about things. Uh, I wish it were less absurdly hot. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be real nice. This this week is actually worse than last week, so I'm not not emotionally or physically or spiritually ready for it. Yeah, I wish my air conditioner wasn't broken. Oh no, that would help me out a lot. Like like ours is old and doesn't keep up well, so we got to keep it pretty warm in the house. But it it still works. Yeah, like uh, yeah, we have some HVAC <laughs> issues in our home that need remedied urgently. Yeah, like emergency. Like I think there is a certain certain d- temperature outside where they classify it as an emergency. Yeah, I I don't think my house is there yet because like we have one functioning like window unit, so there's like one little corner of the house that we can go to and like cool down before we venture back out in the oh. wild and do our <laughs> things. But like, oh, the, I got gotcha. you. Meant to have central air, and that hasn't worked since right. last. <laughs> Not May. a window unit. Holy yeah, cow! It's like a whole thing. Yeah, that sounds like a whole thing. Well, let's move over to our resident EDH PhD, Liam. How are you doing? Do you have AC? Uh, I I do in fact have AC. I almost didn't have AC. I got a, I got a new neighbor recently, and part of the moving process, they were knocking things around outside, and it was interesting. Oh, but yeah, no, I I do have functional AC. That is that is important with this this heat wave going on. Yeah, and it's it's everywhere. Generally speaking, life is pretty good. Good deal. Did either of you get to play any magic this week, or has it just been too damn hot? I did, in fact. Uh, I had a, an early birthday celebration with a chaos draft uh, with friends over the weekend. Oh, I do remember you posting something about yep. that on Twitter. Your little, your pre-made booster packs, or uh, they weren't booster packs. What did you call they, them? They were little packages. So they were, they are like, they were sealed boosters, but I like grouped them uh, preemptively before the draft. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, that looked pretty fun. What were you going to say, Dave? Did you play some Magic this week? Not as much as I wanted to, but I did. Uh, there's a couple of different like leagues going on right now. So in the PDH home base, uh, a, a guy named The EDH is running a 1v1 league that I joined for lols and have found to be shockingly entertaining. I usually don't like 1v1, <laughs> but like this is a really good time. And uh, in the TryHard server... A guy whose name I can't pronounce because it it's like X Y R L Y L. I don't know what he was <laughs> going for there, but he's organizing a, just a, a regular like CPDH league with like pods of four, and I've been so I've, I've gotten cool. a couple games in through these leagues. That's been real fun. That is pretty cool. That I assume they're all spell table based uh, or webcam so the, based. The one v one league is like however you want to play. So I've done a couple spell tables. I've done a couple cockatrices. The, oh okay the okay try hard server version is uh it's all spell table yeah yeah because they're pretty focused on paper meta in yes. general well that's cool i may have to and those are uh, i think you told me last time you just kind of play at your leisure but it's a match a week or a game a week yeah the, the 1v1 is like you know uh, the edh is, it's, is, it's a very awkward name to try and weave into the conversations because it makes it sound like i'm talking about something else uh <laughs> he, he posts pairings every uh-huh. wednesday so it's just you find your partner and you coordinate with them. So whatever platform works for you both, at whatever time works for you both, you get your one match in and you tell them the results. Mm-hmm. With the other one, it's a it's a bit more like hands on. Like uh, zero lil is tries to set up times. I did that was my a best. pretty good pronunciation. Uh, he sets up <laughs> these times for everyone to play, and like if if you can't make it at that time, like you can you know swap out, find a different time, or uh, swap your position with someone else in a different pod you can you have, you have some flexibility there okay well i i have for sure never played in a commander league is it like one game and done do you play a best, of three? best of three how does that the work multiplayer is one game and done okay huh it's a Might good have time. To look into that it sounds pretty neat how is that how what's the competitive level like is it kind of all over the place or is it real it's, focused everyone is coming in with a competitive mindset but the 
there's a mix of decks that are really high on the tier list and some decks that are not yet on the tier list and some decks that are extremely experimental, like not yet on the database even. Ooh. Oh, okay. Yeah, that definitely sounds like my group of, of players. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fun. I've been enjoying it. Yeah, might have to check that out. And how about you, Brad? How much magic? Uh, you- uh, no, same with Alcadron. Just sort of, I didn't get to play as much as I wanted to. I got my Saturday stream in, and then one game, one of that. We played two games as usual. One game, one of that with Rot Widow Pack. That was fun. Sort of one out of nowhere. I thought for sure that I was just going to be... Uh, pounced on by every other deck. One of the opponents was on Seder Enchanter, oh. and he was the last one left besides me. So I thought for sure I was just going to get, you know, overrun. But no, I pulled it out. I hit him for like six or seven, two turns in a row from Rot Widow Pack, and that and pretty much closed it out. So that was nice. And then game two, I forgot what I played now. Oh, I played Minthara Tokens, which I'm coming to think that that's not the optimal build for Minthara, regardless of what the card itself herself mm-hmm. says. So I've been talking to Dallas uh, Common Commander on Twitter about some different brews, some different strategies for that, more of a stacks-type control list for Minthara and just using the ex- the buff you get from experience counters as sort of a, a bonus as, as opposed to an entire strategy. Okay. Decentralizing your, sh- decentralizing your strategy from your commander. Makes sense. Yeah, it, exactly. And that's that's one of the problems, I, st- I guess, because of my, my newness to pdh that's still kind of a problem i have is i want everything to focus around the commander and a lot of my decks end up really fragile because of I that i wouldn't necessarily say that's a problem i think that's uh often a deck building choice that people like to intentionally make i know i'm yeah, one of them yeah and it, it is intentional i just i think sometimes it it puts the blinders on me yeah. and i have trouble seeing like what other strategies are possible potentially better strategies are possible no i'm not unhappy with anything it's just another deck that i'll i'll like to try but yeah since we are talking about commanders i think this week we're going to start kind of a new series we'll uh hit on these episodes as we as we come to them as we're inspired to do them but this week we're going to start with part one and we're going to kind of dissect one of the most hotly debated rule zero conversations i would say in all of pauper commander and that is being able to use uncommon planeswalkers as your commander uh liam just so everyone's kind of on the same page i know we do have a few listeners that are not super familiar with pdh or maybe even commander in general just maybe give a brief explanation of what the command zone actually is from from sort of a judge rules standpoint yeah absolutely so from an extremely technical standpoint uh in the comprehensive rules section four pertaining to the zones of the game subsection eight the command zone you get to rule 408.1, which states the command zone is a game area reserved for certain specialized objects that have an overarching effect on the game, yet are not permanents and cannot be destroyed. It's a lot of words, uh, but basically what that means is it's <laughs> a special area in the game, it's a zone, uh, similar to a graveyard or exile, where certain game objects and game effects that don't normally get interacted with exist. It's called the command zone because that is where your commander sits at the start of the game. Notably, some other aspects of the game exist here Uh, i know we're talking about planeswalkers but i do not believe any of the uncommon planeswalkers make emblems uh but in the event in the future that they do make emblems emblems exist in the command zone dungeons are a new ish card type they also exist in the command zone and so do other draft related things such as conspiracies yeah i just actually learned most of that um before we started recording that's, that's pretty interesting. So it's just more of a, a catch-all for cards that, like you said, can't be interacted yeah, with. Yeah, it's, a, it's but, a... But that affect the game. Exactly. It's a zone that, you know, in original Magic Design, Exile was meant to be that catch-all zone. Uh, but as the game progressed and you could interact with Exile, they really needed a new option. So borrowing from sure. Commando, they uh, Wizards created the Command Zone, um, which is now their catch-all. Okay, well, that totally makes sense. Uh, I think next up, I wanted to start with, or, or move to... Uh, Mr. Alcadron, I want to start with sort of the rule, the PDH rule committee's stance on Planeswalkers in the command zone. Is it something that when this came about, it was just, okay, well, this is what regular EDH, this is what they do, this is what we're going to do, or was there more to it than that? What's kind of the stance on the group as a whole as well? Full disclosure, this decision was made a little before the rules committee was like officially formed. Oh, okay. Um, so this, this yeah, with the, the rules committee like got... We, we started to get really official and really, like, very on the level and everything, like, vetted and, like, here's who we are, here's who gets to say. Like, that all came about uh, 
within the grand scheme, scheme of things pretty recently, like right around the time that we were making a decision on Ristic and Mystic study. Okay. So the Planeswalkers, Uncommon Planeswalkers preceded that by a little bit. And during that time, it was just sort of like a, the, there was a group of us that were uh, managing the home base server and we sort of, and also the, the PDH home base website, which hosts the official rules. And we sort of collectively decided that we wanted the rules to be as close to EDH as possible because EDH at the time was huge and growing fast and sure. uh, PDH was small and extremely unrecognized and we decided if we're going to walk up to someone who's playing EDH and introduce them to this format we want to be able to we want to be able to give them the least number of like rules lists exceptions possible so we want to say it's like EDH except and then list a small number of things and uh, in EDH yep. it's creatures only so we said this is not this is not a thing that we want to make an exception for like, obviously, we have rule zero. People who want to play with Planeswalkers can talk with a group about it, but we want to officially stick... We, we want to hew as close as possible to EDH rules as we can. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. That's kind of what I assumed, you know, just... I don't want to say out of convenience, but just for the sake of introducing players to the format, and if they have any questions about it, or, you know, if they're familiar at all with EDH, then PDH shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, I, I think it really was a matter of convenience. There's a lot of people that, you know, were part of this decision that then, you know, became part of the rules committee that like value simplicity and cleanliness above all other things. And to these people mm -hmm. making these exceptions sure. for things that are different, like all of these things are negatives, little annoyances that they don't want to have to deal with. So it's easier to, easier to officially rule these things out and then rule zero them back in, than officially rule them in and have people rule zero them out if they're bad. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I may audible a little bit from the show notes here, but I don't know if I've ever seen or read or heard anyone talking about it. Is it is it strictly because they're not creatures, they can't be commanders in regular EDH, or, or does it go deeper than that? that that's essentially it. The original that's rules, much it. you know, EDH is older than the Planeswalker card type. And in, in the original EDH, your right. commander had to be a legendary creature. The, the EDH rules was kind of like strict about this in the same way that like the current PDH rules committee is being like sort of strict about planeswalkers. If you look at things like Autumn Tale, uh, Kitsune Mystic, which is a flip card from Kamigawa, the the half that you cast isn't legendary, mm -hmm. so this is not a legal commander, even though it becomes a legendary creature when it flips. And like the the same with right. you know, I I have a PDH deck that rules zeros in Heirloom Mirror, which is an artifact when you play it, and then oh, it flips okay. later into a creature. <laughs> And, like, this is not legal, but it's something that I sort of... I have a kids in this deck, too. I'm just... I love breaking rules. But, yeah, you're playing... <laughs> in the original rules of EDH, your commander has to be a creature. And then... Or a legendary creature. It was sort of interesting. Even when Planeswalkers were introduced, they weren't legendary at the time. Like, there was a special Planeswalker rule that sort of superseded the legendariness of creatures. At, at the time, the legendary rule was... If there were ever two legendary creatures with the same name on the battlefield at all, one of them had to be put into the graveyard as a state-based action. Right, uh, the first one. Maybe it was correct? both at the time. There was a point in yeah. time when it was both, and there was a point in time when it was, I believe, the newest. Yeah. The yeah. newest one to enter I, the battlefield. I remember playing EDH in like the year you know, two, 2000. Like At the time, clone was commander removal that got through Hexburg and Shroud, yeah. which was... Bonkers. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the Planeswalker, when Planeswalkers were first introduced to the game, there was a special, like, variant of the legend rule that said you can't have two Planeswalkers that have the same type. And this was because they were going to print multiple copies of Jace. Mm -hmm. There's lots of different Jaces, and they wanted this legendary rule to apply to all of the different Jaces. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, if you had Jace Cunning Castaway and uh, Jace yes. the Mind Sculptor. And, and again, this was back when, like, the legendary rule and this planeswalker rule applied to all players at the same time. So, like, at the time, there was this massively overpowered right. standard deck called Super Friends, which was Jace, Jace, Elspeth, and Venser. Yeah. Um, that, this is the, yeah. the person who named this deck the Super Friends is why the Super Friends is now an archetype for, like, commander decks where you just play a bunch of planeswalkers. comes from the standard, standard blue-white control deck with Venser and all the planeswalkers. Okay. And, like, a, an incredibly common sideboard card in this standard meta was baby jace 
the three men and Jace Bellerin, because it killed the Mind Sculptor. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the Legend of Rule has gone through some yeah. iterations mm-hmm. since then. The idea that Planeswalkers are now also legendary was as recent as, I think, Ixalan. And that, I think, is when this idea that like people wanted to make Planeswalker or commander decks with Planeswalkers in the zone, that's when that, I think, started to really take off and gain popularity because uh, the commanders centered around this idea of legendary thing mm-hmm. in the command zone. Historically, it's been creatures, but now that Planeswalkers are officially legendary, yep. like, why not Planeswalkers? So. And picking up where you we left off, Al, definitely, I, I believe it was around Ixalan, might have been Rivals specifically, but it was one of the two Ixalan sets where they added the legendary super type to all of the Planeswalkers, uh, past and, and future. And So it was fairly, fairly recently. Uh, yeah, that would have been t- end of 2018, early 2019. Wrong years. End of 2017, early okay. 2018. What that ended up doing is is adjusting the legend rule it, itself. They they took what was called the Planeswalker rule, which is uh, what Alk was describing, and merged it into the uh, the legendary rule. So now right. what it means is you can have you know three different Jaces on the field as long as they all have a different name. Uh, so that I think you can also have three different Jaces on the field if they have the same name, but no more than one of them is legendary. Correct. That's but that's just a, a subset of the legendary <laughs> rule. But yeah, uh, and getting a little more technical with it, uh, if you d- dive into the uh, comprehensive rules, uh, you will find a section about commander. It is section nine hundred three, and the specific rule I'm going to cite here is nine hundred three point one, which states: in the commander variant, each deck is led by a legendary creature designated as that deck's commander. The commander variant was created and popularized by fans. An independent rules committee maintains additional resources. So there it's specifically uh, laid out that it is a creature. And you will find in, in the comprehensive rules all sorts of things about like partner and backgrounds and, and all that stuff too. But I definitely think it, sure. you know, it is currently written as a, a creature. Uh, we do have some planeswalkers that supersede that with the, the line of text. Uh, you know, XY can be a commander, as, as debatable as some people like to make that line of uh, text out to be. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a popular topic to talk about planeswalkers in the zone. Yeah, it gets it gets pretty heated sometimes. I know it's definitely a popular, like like I said earlier, yeah. a rule zero conversation. But that doesn't stop people from exper- experimenting with it. I know Alcadron, you follow the Pals meta, the uh, PDH Pals meta, pretty closely, and you say that they play a lot with Planeswalkers. I do. I did. My actual my introduction to the Pals was the the very first game that they played. The first time I ever tuned into them was right after War of the Spark came out, and they had all built Planeswalker decks. So the first game of theirs I ever watched was the Everyone Has a Planeswalker deck. Oh, no. <laughs> nice. And, it, and since then, they've, they've built a handful more. Like, they have, I think they have eight or nine different Planeswalker decks built already, and they're all, like, super fun. They're very entertaining. They definitely function differently than creatures do in the command zone on a, on a couple different axes. We'll talk about that later. But these differences mm-hmm. have not been game-breaking or game-warping in any way that I have observed. And uh, you could argue that a huge part of that is just because they're the pals work very hard to right. not ever break <laughs> or warp the game, except in, like, stupid, hilarious, entertaining ways. Right, that's kind of why they have their own metagame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but we and go ahead. No, no, you go ahead and finish. I was gonna pass it off to someone else to talk about our lovely guest from last week, Ryan, and his meta and his experience with Planeswalkers in the command zone. Uh, but yeah, when Ryan was on last week, you know he's cultivated quite the uh, paper community up there in, in Washington, and congrats to him on that. But he said he was mentioning that his his meta, his PDH meta, obviously. They allow planeswalkers in the command zone, and I'm kind of. He, he says it's great. He says it's fun, competitive. I think that's just sort of the the community community they've built. But I, I I'd like to pick his brain next time he comes on the show, or if I can catch him on Discord to kind of see how that shakes out. You know, if everybody is just all of a sudden on the planeswalker train, if that's just the best thing to do, if it's more of a flash in the pan sort of thing, a fad that people got tired of after a while. You know, I, I just kind of want to pick his brain about it. Maybe that's definitely a future show topic, but he's the only one I've known that has taken it. I mean, the pals have their thing, but he's the only one I've known that has brought it to at least a semi-competitive level with having planeswalkers yeah. in the command zone. But I think it's definitely something to to dig into deeper. I'd like to find out some more information on I, that. I do want to uh, do a, a small asterisk uh and 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 compare and 
anecdotally to uh, both the the pals and uh, Ryan's experiences that they've shared with us. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I cannot speak for either of these parties, but what I think plays right. a large role, and and I, I do want to recognize the pals' work in in creating a fun atmosphere. I think what does play a large role is the actual power level of the uncommon planeswalkers. It is to oh, be yeah. noted that they <clears throat> are significantly lower in power than what we are used to. And we're going to get to talking about a little bit later about specific uh, planeswalkers that that maybe warping in other formats that don't really do anything in PDH. But we don't have any Tamiyo field researchers. You know, t- right. <laughs> a, a, a big one that people like to point out for for EDH in particular is is uh, the Bant Tamiyo. Because you play doubling season in her deck, make it your goal to get that, and then she comes down and ultimates immediately, and now you have omniscience. No we just deal. don't. This is fine. We just, yeah, <laughs> it's it's fine. Realistically, there are only in 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 my opinion, I think this is the the opinion of you two as well. There are only really two planeswalkers so far that it, that if you were to use them as PDH commanders, that really worry, and that that would be Ashok and Sahili. Uh, but like even even still, the the power level tends to drop when you get to PDH over regular I'm, EDH. I'm gonna add Huatli to that list, but yes, those are the those are the three I, that I'm really? concerned to see in competitive games. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the ones that definitely stick out. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's just their powerful static abilities. Some of them have powerful activated abilities. Yeah. So what I, um, in I think that's in our show notes for a little bit later. Be, before we're we gonna move. Say? into because I, I feel us transitioning into the the relative power level and the format warpingness of allowing this so I, I want to just like I feel us sort of making this implication that the big concern of allowing them or not allowing them is going to be are they going to break the format are they going to warp things irreparably if we if we allow them is it going to change things for the worse this is definitely the the explicit topic of conversation, I think, now, and it is about are they too powerful to game warping to be PDH commanders? Uh, I mean, I mean, none of us other than you, Alka, are in the position to, to really make or influence this decision, uh, you know, you being part of the OSC. I think, realistically, this isn't a, a discussion about should they be allowed or should they not be allowed. That is definitely a rule zero conversation with your playgroup. I think this is more just talking about the various aspects of... Okay. The planeswalkers in the command zone. Am I right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, this so, is this same, is more of a sorry. Same same talk there, right? Like, are they going to be game warping if you allow them? Like, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. I suppose, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I want to very briefly address something that you said just a moment ago about not having the power to influence this decision. I would argue that to a certain extent, you do write to your local Congress RC person. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you want change, if you want to see change. Let it be known that you want to see change. Be the change. Be, be the change you want to see in the world. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if we're talking about the RC, I'm now going to spam your. I'm now going to spam your inbox. Do it. So, <laughs> personally, I don't have very strong feelings one way or the other about this. Like, I I think that it would open up the format to like cool new possibilities, cool new commanders, exciting sure. new options. I do not think it would warp or break the game in any irreparable way. I, I think that some of these options are powerful, but I, I think that just categorically, they have nothing on Tityova or Toast or Weavers or Is It Guildmage. Um, they're just oh for sure they're, for sure they're good, but they're not that good. And yeah, some some other members of the RC feel more strongly one way or another. Uh, I can see both sides of the argument. Like I, I do think there's value in having our rules be as close as possible to EDH rules. Yeah, maybe maybe as we grow and develop that. as a format and sort of like achieve more of our own well-known well-recognized identity then we can look into changing things a little more but the uh, kind of break off from yeah, that a little maybe. bit we'll see what the future holds like you said an uncommon planeswalker usually does not equal two partnered right, commanders yeah. <laughs> on power level yeah, it leaves something to be desired it's also worth noting that like planeswalkers in many ways have this inherent disadvantage in that like, you can kill them by attacking. Like, creatures don't have right, this yeah. vulnerability. So, like, however powerful you think your commander is, like, if you've got a creature, you can handle this problem. Like, Right. They yeah, can directly so, attack it. Yeah, it's, uh, 
certainly far from game warping in in my humble opinion but just the last few things you said sort of leads us to like some of the pros and cons of of having a planeswalker as your commander and i think the biggest one that you sort of hinted at was just the the interaction interacting with them as a whole as a type of card that they are they are different to interact with than than having a creature in your command zone yeah, because when, cause when you use like an artifact creature or an enchantment creature, you're opening up your commander to more variety mm-hmm. of removal. Yeah. But when you're using a planeswalker, you're, you're removing that creature type entirely, which is readjusting how removal is mm-hmm. going to be mm-hmm. affecting it. So I, I, I think in our, in our pre-show discussion, we were talking about a couple uh, different things here. You know, when you're talking about red removal, you're lo- looking at damage-based removal. Things like Lightning Bolt or Shock stay the same here, right? You target a play, you target a creature, you talk- target a Planeswalker. Sure. Bolt kills Tetiova, Bolt kills Kuali. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you look at some of the other colors. You look at green in particular. I want to touch this one real quick. You know, green is really adept at removing artifacts and enchantments. I don't think there's any Planeswalker removal at green realistically at any rarity other than six sixes with trample um we have we have master's rebuke but that's kind of it really right yeah, master's rebuke is, is card, a, a new know. card yeah or a bite but you know you get outside of that singular card what what is that there isn't anything yeah there's not really blue I, I i learned that blue does have the ability to just bounce permanence so that's 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 good ish i will say the one downside is a lot of these uncommon planeswalkers come in with high loyalty counts because they don't have a way to naturally plus themselves so bouncing them may not be ideal <laughs> in this case mm-hmm. i think it would depend on the the planeswalker you know are they using it for the static or are they using it for the activated ability yeah all but the m20 chandra they all have just yes. minus abilities none of them have a yes, plus the, ability the chandra is, is a notable exception here yeah yeah <laughs> and you move to as we covered red blue green uh, what are the other colors white and black they don't matter <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> You got black, which has effects like Moto, which are commonly run. Effects like Cast Down or Feed the Swarm, commonly run. These these don't hit Planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. But you get to things like Bone Shards, we talked about, that that does. And, you know, there, there are some Sacrifice decks that are just already running Bone, bone Shards. I, I say some, not all. They're already incidentally hitting Planeswalkers if you were to rule zero one in. But... I don't think decks typically want these outside of sacrifice strategies just because of the inherent cost. Right. Yep. And then uh, someone help me out here with white because I don't, I don't play white that often. I feel like we have exile target planeswalker, but I'm not totally sure. Maybe oh, I just it, made is that Is it up. that wanderer strike card? We have, we have Nahiri's Binding, which is a two white and one. You can enchant a creature or a planeswalker. Enchanted permanent can't attack or block, and its activated ability, abilities can't be activated. But it doesn't say anything about their static abilities. Yeah, I don't think there's any white removal that specifically hits planeswalkers. That's as close as we get. There's, there's, a, couple, there's a couple really bad white cards that will exile a permanent. Things like Secure the Scene. Yeah. Bound in gold. That, yeah, that's will true. Handle one. Buy your silence. We'll do it. But like these are, like, categorically kind of bad cards. So like, you know, right? <laughs> well, I guess no. I guess white has minimus containment and O ring, which are solid. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Faith spiders okay. might do it. I sure. don't know if faiths can hit. Uh, suppression bonds can do it. So like, yeah. There's a couple. There's a couple pacifism ish things that will hit permanents. There's a couple overcosted white spells that will exile permanents. So, uh, Faith's Fetters, it can't attack or block, and its activated abilities can't be activated. Right, but so. it, what does it enchant? And it does enchant permanents. Permanent. A permanent, sorry, yeah, it does hit a permanent. So that, yep. that'll, that'll do it. Yeah, so there's there's a couple options available at white. Like, nothing really exciting. Right. I think white and green's big planeswalker removal answer is the combat step. Which is a yeah. huge way that you mm-hmm. can just, you know, steamroll these planeswalkers. I, I was I was with the pals one time playing with my Sarkara deck against Fred's Ashiok deck. He just kept on replaying Ashiok over and over again, and I was I, was, I kept on trying to use Terramorphic Expanses and E Wilds to like get lands out of my deck, and I couldn't <laughs> with Ashiok on the field. So I just kept on murdering Ashiok with combat over and over again. It was. This weird cycle of just trying really hard to like be able to use my lands 
But yeah, I mean, yeah. it was it is very vulnerable to attacking, so that that gets there eventually. Yeah, because even like the highest of the uncommon planeswalkers, they have loyalties of seven. That's not impossible to make that yeah. zero in one turn. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in many cases, if they've already activated it once, right? right That's exactly, three or four loyalty well, gone. Cute. So they are. I, I don't know if I would call them fragile in that respect, but yeah, they are are easier to deal with on on the actual battlefield in the red zone, as it were. But I guess the thing that always stuck out to me is I'm always my, my board is always getting devastated by board wipes, by pestilences yep. Yep. and and crypt rats and <laughs> things of that nature, and they just they just planeswalkers laugh at that they, they don't really care yep we talked two weeks ago about how how rare and infrequent board wipes are in pdh and like uh, i lied like they're everywhere <laughs> the <crypt rats> and <laughs> yeah. are ubiquitous but like those are the only two really big ones so yeah for sure I, I mean, you got fiery cannonade and dragon's breath now those are good board wipes. that is true I'll give you that. They they are very efficient board wipes. For some reason, I don't know if it's just the the people I play with, but I don't know that I've seen one of those in a long time. But I see I usually see one Crypt Rats every weekend, I think. That's true. I mean Crypt Rats is just a good card. Yeah. It is a good time. It's a good card. But yeah. no, they don't touch That's planeswalkers. It. Yeah. And and moving on from uh interaction, just looking at the card pool. I would say uh, a pro of the Planeswalkers is that there is currently only 21 of them at Uncommon. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a fairly easy case to try and convince your friends to let you rule zero one in. Um, you know, typically you approach your playgroup uh, in EDH and say, hey, can I use Planeswalkers as my commander? And, you know, a couple of responses you might get is, yeah, if it's one of the ones that says they can be a commander. Right. <laughs> or they'll, Or if you don't get that one, they'll be like, which one? Yeah, because I think you're up to no good. Yeah, they'll want to evaluate it, right? Uh-huh. But, like, with this, you can just be like, hey, you know, I, I want to think about using Planeswalkers as our commanders. Let's look at the card pool. It's it's 21 cards, guys. You know, we could do this in you know, 20 minutes. Right. So I think that's definitely a pro. I would say a con to that is there's only 21 of them. So you're bound to see repetition. There's just not a lot in terms of variety. Like, all the monocolored ones have two options except for red has that extra chandra mm -hmm. and there's one of each two color so like if you want to play red white and you want to play with a planeswalker you're stuck with nahiri like right it's just it's just how it is yeah it's just how it uh, is so the chances are decent you're gonna play against the same planeswalker exactly i i think i think that the card pool being limited is both a pro and a con of the planeswalkers as your commander question. Yeah, and then not even just the number of them, but when you go through them, I mean, we're not going to do like a set review on them, but when you go through them, they're just, yeah. yeah, it would be cool to build a deck around them because they are a planeswalker. <clears throat> but when you look at them, they're just not that many that really scream to me like, hey, build me, you know, build a yeah, deck for most me. Of, most of them are pretty underwhelmed. Yeah, uh-huh. I have a Chandra deck that just runs a lot of elementals. It's actively terrible, but Chandra's, <laughs> Chandra's plus ability, she's the only uncommon planeswalker that has a plus ability, and her plus ability uh -huh. is yeah. your elementals get plus you power. And so I just put in right. all of the elementals I can find. Exclusively fire <laughs> elementals, though. No earth elementals. Well, of course. Yeah. Beautiful. No no lightning elementals either. Like, On this, is, this is a burn deck without lightning bolt, because I'm running incinerate instead, because... Incinerate nice. Chandra art and Lightning Bolt does not. So, yeah, no, it's a it's a terrible <laughs> deck. Like some of them will give you direction. Like Arlen wants you to play all the wolves. Obnixilis wants you to play a lot of these cards that like make everyone draw. Like Howling Golem, it's very right. Kiora wants you to play big beefy Kiora creatures. Wants you to play thick boys, yeah. Uh, it's, so yeah, so a lot boys. of them will give you direction. You you can get places with them, but you kind of have to follow where they go. Yeah, and some of them don't really go too far i'm i'm reading vraska and i kind of like her as a uh, as an alternative to finn oh interesting a little yeah, less scary yeah. okay yeah a, a, a little less scary a, a couple more death touch creatures because now we're dipping yeah. into black but you can still do that uh infect nonsense with uh crypt rats and you know any infect could crypt rats phyresis whatnot but i i like her minus ability which which creates an assassin that kills other planeswalkers now actually i have a question about that i was reading it 
because her minus ability just says create a one one black assassin creature token with death death touch and whenever this creature deals damage to a planeswalker destroy that planeswalker so does death touch not normally kill planeswalkers it's correct it it does not because they're not creatures correct correct that that says whenever the creature deals damage to another creature you destroy the damaged creature see we are an educational yep. podcast <laughs> <laughs> Brad, please tell me you've been playing Death Touch, right? Well, I don't play with Planeswalkers. Okay. So, but yes, otherwise, yes, I do. Yeah, I just, I, I would have assumed that they killed Planeswalkers, yep. but yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Vraska gives her assassin tokens the very special Death Touch for Planeswalkers yep. ability. Yeah, like Death Touch plus. In the same way that Phage has Death Touch for players yep. ability. Okay, that makes yep. sense. But yeah, so there's not a ton that look super great to play with you know if i'll probably at least mentally sort of theorize decks for all of them just just for thought experiments just to exercise my brain a little bit but you know there's honestly of this whole list there's maybe three that i would take seriously enough to sit down and put pencil to paper and eventually stick a deck together but so yeah i think what you were saying earlier about repetition i think that would be for me that would probably be more of a turnoff than anything just like Oh, I'm going to my LGS and it's PDH night. We're going to hang out. Okay, well, I'm going to see, you know, 15 Ashioks and, and yeah. six Obnixilises. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I think I think these Planeswalkers would add a, a nice bit of, like, spice and variance to the regular meta. Like, I don't think I would enjoy a strictly Planeswalkers meta. Oh, for sure. No one out for here sure. is trying to play yeah. Papa Oathbreaker. As much as I love Oathbreaker, <laughs> no one's trying to do that. <laughs> There, there was a group in the uh, in the PDH home base that was trying to put together Popper Oathbreaker. I think they called it Vow Bender. Vow Bender, <laughs> not Oathbreaker. Vow Bender. Yeah, yeah they, I think they just took the word Oathbreaker and like made use less powerful synonyms in <laughs> yeah. each case. <laughs> like got the thesaurus uh, out. And... Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- this was in, much like Oathbreaker. This was popular for about. 10 minutes and now it's gone Oathbreak, Oathbreaker actually uh, has some legs don't make don't make fun of have, have you have, where are these they do legs? have a surprisingly passionate fan base all, all four of them the four of them got together and put together a website that's awesome I'm so proud of those four people you know, you know how people could say lives. the same thing about PDH <laughs> they would be wrong by about 50% there's at least eight of us there's at least eight not quite a dozen but at least eight. We're working on Hopefully our podcast will reach at least one more person. We can have nine, finally. We can have nine. There's nine. <laughs> There's we're nine. Gonna, we're, gonna, we're reaching for double for digits. Sure. Now, I know when we sort of started putting the show notes together and everything, uh, I'll try to get us back on the on the rails a little bit. I was, I guess I had still had like 60 card, you know, constructed decks in my head or, or whatever, because I've always heard that like NAR sets a problem in eternal formats and i've heard people talk about how sahili combos can be sort of crazy so i just automatically assume that they would be problematic in pdh as your commander but it seems that maybe they wouldn't be correct so i'm going to touch on narset here narset is is a problem in other eternal formats in particular in in commander she is egregious i i will say that uh i like to compare it to to hull breacher often uh, with my playgroup and, and why they should not play her. But what I do want to touch touch on is how she is typically paired with wheel effects, for those who are not familiar with her play pattern. Uh, and, and PDH has a surprising lack of wheels. The reason she is paired with wheel effects is because her static ability reads, each opponent cannot draw more than one card each turn. So you wheel the table and... Which is so innocuous. Like, it doesn't sound like all that Correct. big of a deal. It's- until you're sitting across the table and, from and her. design philosophy from uh, wizards actually states that when they designed that line of text on Narset and Holbreacher, they were just looking at punishing slash slowing down people who were being too greedy, which makes sense. But you then pair it with effects that say everyone discard their hand and draw seven, and all of a sudden your opponents discard their hand and draw one. Yeah, but they didn't think about what if the greedy people also played Narset. <laughs> C- correct. Like I said earlier, PDH has a distinct lack of wheels. We don't have Wheel of Fortune, we don't have Windfall. What we do have is Telerian Winds, which is an instant speed, two-mana wheel, for yourself, not for your opponents. Uh, We do have Whirlpool Rider, which is a two-mana, one-one creature. So sorcery speed, 
and it is a wield for yourself, so not your opponents. The only one that could potentially combo with Narset here is Flux, a 2 and a blue sorcery, but it specifically says each player chooses and discards any number of cards, then draws that many cards. Right. So your opponents have the choice to just opt out of the Narset wheel altogether. Narset, while a problem in other Eternal formats, and in particular EDH, I she's she's not in pdh her, her main combo pieces just don't exist now you could potentially try and use this effect to your advantage uh effects that may draw everyone or multiple people multiple cards you know you draw the three or four your opponents draw one you know if they exist and you can find the density of them but i'm not sure that you're really using i think there's there. only i think there's only one of those that does multiple cards it's vision schemes at, at two yeah yeah now i i will say her minus ability is relevant you know, looking at the top four cards of the library, revealing a non-creature, non-land from among them, and drawing it. But that is very much a, let's look at the bottom four cards of your library, unless you're building around it. And if you're building around non-creature spells, I would just look at uh, Saheeli. And I guess it would shut down, like, Arcane Denial as well, right? <laughs> it, it does. It, uh, it, it makes Arcane yes. Denial a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, well, yeah, I meant, like, shut down the draw, the draw aspect of it. Well, I mean, they they still draw great. one card. You 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 yep. made an already great card slightly better. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I think that I think that Narset in PDH would be an irritant. I think that it would yes, it would make people have to think very carefully about when they are going to cast their treasure cruises and their brainstorms and their yeah. what's what's the other one that uh, behold the multiverses. Um, it it would do yeah. what it was designed to do, which is punish the greedy players. Right. And that's not game. Right, exactly. It's it's gonna be annoying. And like you said earlier, if if the controller of said Narset has minused her once, it's just a lightning bolt away and then she's off the table for a yeah. little bit, you can so do what you're gonna do. Exactly. And you're fine. So, <laughs> right, right uh, exactly. Exile the lightning bolt to cast the treasure cruise. So yeah, I think that Narset is not a threat in the competitive PDH scene. Uh, the other one you mentioned was Sahili, and I think that Sahili has legs. Yeah, Sahili yeah, definitely so has legs. Sahili's static of just creating a little body every single time you cast a spell lets you play every these time. spell slinger decks where you're constantly you're you're playing the lightning bolts, you're playing the treasure cruises. Blue will keep your hand full, while the red will stop threats. Like Sahili's biggest weakness, like we've mentioned, is just being attacked to death. But she's always going to have like 10 blockers and yeah. she's always going to have like the lightning bolts to stop whatever flies. So like she's very resilient and she presents a very reliable threat to the table because you're also in like trumpet blast colors. You can make 12 tokens and then be like, whoops, here's pack attack. <laughs> right. They're all four yeah. ones. Like, oh, yeah. Or yeah. raid so, bombard like, or, or these, like, anything like that. Massive. She, she's just a much better young pyromancer, which is wild. And her minus ability isn't that weak on its own. I mean, it's not so super powerful. I, I do want to but... point out that, that people see the, the term non-creature spell and they just instantly think instants and sorceries. And it's be, I, I think that's a, a mental connection made because non-creature is often paired with non-permanent. But it just says non-creature. So if mm -hmm. you built her around her minus ability, if you built an artifact deck, every artifact you cast still gets you those servers. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. 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 Chromatic yeah. stars and so, yeah, anything, know, you... relics, all that stuff. Yeah, Sahili Affinity seems like something that would be a blast to play. So my boyfriend has is, has been working on Sahili for a while. I, I might have mentioned this last week, but someone someone I, I recently accused him of having a Sahili deck, and he said, "No, no, no, no. I have four halves of yeah. a Sahili deck because, yep. <laughs> right. I, as you say, there's so many different directions you can take this. Like, he doesn't know if he wants to go spell slinger, young pyromancer, aggro." Or if he should go like affinity, like artifacts, value, or if he should go like control, like the Sahili is so is powerful and versatile, which I think is why she's going to be a threat in in CPDH if she gets allowed in. Yeah, yeah, and it's so fast. Like we have so many just fast non-creature spells. Like you can pump out. It's not unreasonable to think you can double triple quadruple spell some turns and you're just pumping out yeah, creatures it's, each it's hard to maintain that uh you kind of have to play at that point you're basically playing a xerox deck where like all the spells you're playing are just like peak yeah detection probe preordain 
serum visions. Yeah. yeah. Metamorphos. And, <laughs> right. I do want to uh, mention the proliferate interaction with Planeswalkers and the counters. The two yeah. big colors in, in Pauper are blue and green. And Healy's blue. Um, so yep. Yep. She gets a that is a relevant interaction. Really good proliferate cards. Yeah, so you minus two her, hit, hit a, you know, cast a proliferate spell, create a servo to- token, put another loyalty counter yeah. on her. Like, it's just the, a cycle. Of the it's seven uh, blue and red spells she could play with proliferate, six of them being blue, four of those are non-creature spells. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And two of them that are creatures repeatedly yep. proliferate on combat damage. So... Yeah, yeah, bird and uh, informant. Yeah, yeah. I think Sahili would be a a trip if it was rule zero there. She's she can be very powerful. The other decks yeah, that absolutely. I think have potential in the competitive scene are uh, Ashiok as just a control deck. I mentioned before, like he's he's a, he's another or not he Ashiok. The 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 official pronouns for Ashiok are Ashiok. Yes. This being <laughs> is beyond the concept of pronouns. Ashiok yeah. <laughs> has this, much like Narset, has this very innocuous ability where you read it and you're like, yep. oh, I guess that doesn't seem terrible at first. And then like you, you you think about all the different situations in which this applies, and like all Ashiok is going to shut down a huge amount of Tatiova's ramping, like all of your cultivates, your Kodama's reaches, yeah. all of your island cycling to try and get the sanctuary, like all of that's gone. All of your transmuting is gone. All of your merchant scroll, all of your mystical teachings, it's all gone. And like these are things that all of the competitive decks really depend on to such uh, an extent that it becomes kind of second nature and you don't think about it until you're staring it down and you're like, oh, I guess I can't do any of these things. Like, Brain Spoil is just a five mana kill spell. Like, why is this garbage in my deck? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and on crazy. top of that, Ashiok then just minus one. Yeah, exiles the graveyards too. Yeah, mill him, so, mill him for four and then Bajuka Bog. I, I, I mean, yeah, that's that's mildly relevant, but I think the three mana minus one bog all of your opponents is really good on its own. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah so for sure. I think I think Ashiok is going to be, if, if it were CPH legal, I think Ashiok would be a, a very powerful control shell that is going to just prevent all of the combo decks from ever reaching, forever tutoring for their stuff, and then constantly exile their graveyards and just take away combo pieces until there's nothing left. I think Ashiok is a, a I think Ashiok is a fantastic example of a card that's just going to be beat to death by Tatiova, who is three three. Like <laughs> you're gonna get into the situation where Tatiova is yeah. <laughs> just attacking you and like to kill Ashiok. So like. I'm very curious to see what happens if, if Ashiok gets, you know, rule zeroed into the meta. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. The last one I, I want to mention that I think is competitive viable is actually Huatli. The green, white... I, I was curious yeah. about this one. I you put it in the show too. notes. and Yeah, I want to hear <laughs> yeah. it. Huatli can helm a wildly aggressive uh, aggro deck. Like, there's green and white both have so many little, like, one mana zero fours or like you know if you go you know turn one ornithopter and a one mana zero four turn two there's a there's a green white two mana one five turn three huatli attack for 11 this is extremely reasonable in a deck like huatli Huatli never needs to use her minus ability she's just going to sit on the board as an enchantment at seven loyalty and she's going to ask you to attack through a bunch of like two mana six sixes to get to her and you're, you're just not going to do it you're going to you're going to get yeah beaten to death by all of its two mana zero sixes and or six sixes and two mana five fives it is just combat damage it doesn't say each attacking creature you control yeah. or each defending creature it's just when they yes. are in combat so we have this effect on a creature uh for belligerent brontodon which is kind of terrible because that creature costs seven mana and dies to Doomblade. Yes. But like, Quatly costs three right? mana <laughs> and doesn't die to Doomblade. Doesn't die to Lightning Bolt, doesn't die to Mind Collapse. Like, Quatly is extremely resilient and super cheap. And like, if you kill her, she's back again for five. Like, I think that Quatly would be a threat. 
And and you're in green, five so is five is not a stretch either. Yeah, three, five, seven, yeah. even nine. And like, and the whole time you're playing, you know, six sixes, five fives for two mana, like. <laughs> so so yeah. what I hear is that is a good life. This is just yeah. Arcades. Yeah, it's it's our pop. It's pop Arcades. Okay. It's exactly yeah, kind of pop Arcades. Do we have any of those awesome. spells at common that just give like plus one plus seven? <laughs> I, like uh, I think they I give... don't think so. I think it like like righteousness. I don't think we so have that one for we sure. We have solidarity, which gives your board plus zero plus five. Okay. Uh, solidarity sh- shield ball. Bad. I think is another one. Uh, I have to look this up. I mean, solidarity is even yes. An solidarity is a four mana instant for your board gets plus five toughness. That just ends the game. Yeah, we have heroes Re- heroes resolve from classic sixth edition and tempest. That it's an aura for one in a white enchanted creature gets plus one plus five. Oh yeah, yeah. that's the one with Gerard's art. I hate that card so much. <laughs> yeah, it is. We have that I just one. hate how tempest was so focused on Gerard as a character, and Gerard was just this nothing nobody Mary Sue. He just did all the things perfectly and was like, <laughs> he has no personality. He just took all the credit for it. He just. Like, yeah. when there's a problem, he just shows up with a sword and fixes the problem with his dashing beard. Please we struggle to device. do anything. Yeah. We call that a what? A plot device. Yeah. No, Gerard, Gerard is just this He's just personality plot, plot device. device for the entire <laughs> Tempest block. Like, there's there's he, Heroes Resolve. The art for Heroes Resolve. This is a super tangent, and I apologize. Nope, no problem. The art for Heroes Resolve goes with the art for another card called Orin's Chant. Mm-hmm. The art for Orim's chant features Gerard. Orim's not even on her own card. It's extremely upsetting. Are you sure? No, not Orim's chant. What is it? The Orim's chant looks like it has Orim. Uh, Orim's prayer. That's the one I'm thinking of. I'm sorry. Orim's prayer. Yeah, I was looking at chant also. You see this prayer card. Orim's prayer is just Gerard being the hero. Yep, it sure is. He's holding off some skeletons. Yeah. Well, he's being the hero. There's someone in there behind him, but he is definitely the hero yeah. of the art. Yeah. Yeah, Orem's in the background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very upsetting. That's a 47-cent um, card currently. <laughs> cool. Yeah, cool. But yeah, so those are definitely some of the more powerful static abilities we have on Planeswalkers if, if we're allowed to use them or if you want to rule zero them. I think we probably only have a couple that are that have powerful activated abilities using that that negative on them because the ones that we talked about that were powerful static abilities I, most of them you don't really care if you use their negative but yeah yeah but there are a couple that you probably do want to use their negative and mm-hmm. thankfully one of them one of them is Kaya Bane of the Dead this is one of my favorite ones just cuz it's Orzov whatever it's Kaya yay <laughs> um <laughs> And literally, her static ability is your opponents and permanents your opponents control with hexproof can be targets of spells and abilities you control as though they didn't have hexproof. That is so corner case, it doesn't even make you want to read the rest of the card, right? And and she's not cheap. She's three generic and then three hybrid Orzov mana. So six total the first time you cast her. And she does come down with seven loyalty, which is nice. But her activated ability, her minus ability is minus three exile target creature. That is like crazy good right i mean i don't play with planeswalkers but i feel like that's a really good rate that's pretty good yeah like the first time you cast cast her without any proliferate or anything like that you get she comes with two unmakes yes that that sounds pretty good to me it's not small no that is not small at all but i don't know if i mean i I, I guess she's strong enough to helm a helm a deck you know be the commander of a deck i don't know if i would despite everything going on with her but that that alone that that activated ability is very strong. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right here. That the activated ability is what you play her for because if you're using that that static, like you might get rid of some random hexproof beat yeah. that your opponents have. But the only real relevant target I can think of is mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty <laughs> it much does it. Mark Bogles really well. Because <laughs> I he's got to walk like, into your LGS and be like, "Is I, anybody playing Bogles? <laughs> I'd like to play against you." Yeah, no, if you're playing Kaya, it's for the minus. Yeah, absolutely. The other couple of cards that I think have really powerful minus abilities would be the Wanderer and Nahiri, who are just also both removal on their minus. Uh, Nahiri will deal yeah. X damage to a tapped creature. She only costs four. 
Yeah, that's not too bad. The Wanderer also only costs four, and will just exile a creature with power four or greater. So you can reprisal anything you want. And at least Nahiri's static ability goes along with the Boros Guild. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know when Orzov ever cared about Hexproof or not being Hexproof. I mean, maybe that was a thing in the lore. I don't, I don't know. But it just feels like a very weird mechanic or very weird ability. I, I like that we have some of that, like... It, it can be extremely relevant in terms of like uh, I've seen archetype of endurance the the green Theros kid that has there was a, a cycle of archetypes that each of them you know your creatures have X ability your opponent's creatures lose and can't have X ability yeah so like the blue one gives all your stuff flying and gives all your opponent's yeah. creatures lose flying the green one gives all your creatures hexproof and makes it so that your opponent's creatures lose and can't have hexproof which right there are when that's relevant it's wildly relevant but it's often not relevant yeah and i think that perfectly describe describes kaya yes well that perfectly describes kaya's static ability six, St- static six, ability six, yeah six yeah, mana sure. exile two creatures is uh, pretty good <laughs> it's rare that that's not relevant yeah another one that with the powerful activated ability that I think would be a blast to play with um, would be Obnixilis. I don't know if either of you two have had a chance to play with with Abby at at the helm in the command in the command zone, but it seems pretty good I, to I me. I played against Obnixilis a number of times. One of the pals, mm-hmm. uh, Jeremy, has an Obnixilis deck, and the pals have this sort of like rabid suicidal tendency whenever. Any time Jeremy reaches for the Obnixilis deck, because his, his static abilities, whenever an opponent draws a card, Obnixilis deals one damage to that player. Every single time Jeremy right. says, I think I'm going to play Obnixilis, like, the other three pals at the table will just, like, fervently look for whatever deck they can that will draw a lot of cards so that they can try to just race themselves to death. Like, John, John death. always grabs Dragon Mage. <laughs> <laughs> which every time it connects is a wheel of fortune everyone discards their hand and draws seven like someone would grab oh. a barb barb shocker which wheels a player every time it damages them and yeah. like you know people just grab whatever draws a lot of cards so that they can just yeet themselves out of the game as quickly as possible <laughs> I, I i love watching it happen i don't understand it i played in one of those games it was unreasonably entertaining That's i don't fantastic. know why this happens but yeah every time i've seen knob nicholas gets played his static ability is wildly more relevant than his activated ability, but that's just because the pals are lunatics. Yeah, hashtag pals meta. Hashtag pals meta. Yeah, race to zero. All I gotta say is Howling Golem is like yeah, the secret. Golem. Yes. The secret amazing card in that deck. Oh, that would be fantastic. All I'm trying to think of is give it obnixless infect, but I'm not sure how you do that. So I think where we kind of landed is that Dave thinks that none of these planeswalkers would greatly shatter i guess the the cpd the competitive pdh meta is that what is that what you think that is exactly what i think i think that in if you're looking at should these be legal or not and if, if your main line of questioning is would the format break or warp or be damaged by legalizing these things i think the answer is a resounding no it absolutely would not the format would be fine there would be no damage there would be no warping it would be interesting and fun but not breaking yeah i i agree i think i can agree to that yep it's a little weird like like personally i just have to get over that mental hurdle of it being a planeswalker you know right but i don't think overall i don't think i was super worried about them breaking the format or ruining the format or anything like that i think it was more of just a mental block for myself but yeah i think especially after talking with you guys today i think that most of them are fairly fair and even the ones that don't seem quote-unquote fair are still kind of easy to deal with yeah uh, that is because you got three other players that that only need to deal five damage to, yeah. to narset yeah. you know <laughs> yeah if, so if you're if you're listening to this thinking like I, I wish they would justify these planeswalkers being illegal. It's not because they're too strong. It's just because we want to hew to standard EDH rules as closely as possible. Which is a great argument to bring to your yep. play group with your rule zero suggestion if you want to play with these cards. If you're like, look, the only reason that these are illegal is because yep. of big EDH. They're not broken. Like We can totally make some cool decks with them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know that coming up on the stream sometime soon, I haven't scheduled it yet, but I know we're going to do... Uh, commander as your or planeswalker as your commander 
uh, at least one game that way and see how it turns out. I haven't thought about which one to build yet. Dibs on Chandra. That should be fun. Chandra. Which one? Chandra is the one I have built. Chandra? I've designed a deck for Angrath, and it was really fun until Carter got printed, and now it's just a Carter deck. (laughs) (laughs) I think the ones I've thought most about have been Ashiok, Kaya, and probably Kiora. Especially once we started getting, you know, the Altasaur and Boarding Party. Well, I guess no Boarding Party can't fit in there. But, you know, these big, big fat creatures that are just yeah, seem to be yeah. getting easier and easier to cast. Kira's fun with the fatties. And yep. she has seven loyalty and yeah, she just untaps whatever land you put a wild growth on. <laughs> yeah. Minus. Yeah, for one. Yeah. Minus one. <laughs> like she can do that seven yeah, times. <laughs> That's wild. And if she's got, if she's got big fat butts defending her, then. You're not worried. And you're in blue, so they can be flying butts. Like, doesn't matter. She's not going anywhere. You got enough. You can have enough counter magic up to protect her for a while. And, and you're in both the big proliferate colors. Yeah. yeah she's. Yeah, she may not be going anywhere. Yeah, you should do board. it. Definitely build Kiora. Play your really good Kiora yeah. deck against my really awful Chandra deck, and we will have a delightful time. Yeah. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? Name <laughs> one thing. <laughs> sounds good to me. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Not a thing. I can't. Can't come up with one thing. Nothing. Other than that, we have too good of a time. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Uh, we'll be yeah. See, we'll be careful. <laughs> oh, that's great. So yeah, I think that's because they wouldn't shatter the CPDH meta. You put this little note in here. <laughs> that's why people are, are have a big. They're big mad about yeah, it. I <laughs> because they're not overpowered. Exactly. Like I, I feel like so that this this is a debate. Like like you said, you introduced this topic as one of the most hotly contested Rule Zero discussions, and uh, you're not wrong. This debate has taken place many times on the PDH Homebase Discord, on Reddit, on other places, I'm sure, as well. Probably Facebook. I don't know. I'm not on Facebook. Oh, yeah. But this, this is a hotly contested debate. And there is one side of this debate that is very firmly, strongly in favor of allowing them because they're far and away the only criteria for it in, in their minds about whether or not these things should be legal is... Would it break the format? Would it damage things? Would it warp games around them? And the answer is no. And because the answer is no, there's a lot of people who think these things absolutely should be legal. And right. there are other considerations that are going into and have gone into the RC's decision that are beyond this idea of just format breaking, shattering, warping. And that has been discussed many times in many different conversations. I won't rehash the whole thing here, but uh, yeah. Yeah, no, the the decision goes way beyond, like you were saying, it, it goes way beyond, yeah. oh, they're just too strong. Well, that's not really, <laughs> that's not really the yeah. uh, well, argument it's, it's or the discussion. It's definitely a part of the discussion. Like, if they were too strong, that would be a really good reason to leave them banned. But because they're not too strong, sure. a lot of people think that that's a really good reason to make them legal. And it is, but there are still good reasons to leave them illegal. That is, that is right. the whole exactly. argument in about 10 seconds. What do you think, Liam, from a judge, level one judge standpoint? Do you see a problem with them being planeswalkers? Would that would that cause you headaches? Uh, not really, because from a judge standpoint, you just treat them like... Judges approach Commando in general in a weird way, because as whereas many people see the creature that is the Commando, judges just see a Commando. They just see like because a rules box for the Commander. They see exactly because because the commander is a a I don't I want to say in I don't want to say intrinsic ability but an an intrinsic characteristic of whatever card exists in the command zone. Right. So like like and and I've I've had the opportunity to play commander with like some a bunch of L twos and L threes and a lot of them all the time approach rule zero at the you know every game you know like 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 a good player does. But they're like, hey, do you mind if I run arbitrary enchantment as my commander or, you know, <laughs> arbitrary planeswalker? I had a, I had one come to me and it's like, hey, I want to run this uh, creature instant, but I want to flip which side is the front side. And I was, it was one of the uh, creature instance, uh, creature sorceries from Strixhaven. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, the, the way that, M- the way that MDFCs have always been designed is uh, the permanent is on the front side. Mm-hmm. And if it's a non-permanent, it's on the backside. The reason they designed that is because rules minutia that I don't want to get into, sure, but, right. you know, Markle from Commander Legends Bottles Gate likes to get into that. So, but, like, he's like, hey, can I flip, you know, so the sorcery's the front side? And everyone's like, yeah, sure, what could go wrong? <laughs> Everything, <laughs> Everything. <went> wrong. <laughs> So, like, judges like the most, like, laid-back Rule Zero people I know, and we, we just approach the command zone as a commander, 
not necessarily a creature. Personally, my feelings are like, sure, do whatever. I don't care. Um, my personal philosophy is you have to be able to flavorfully justify it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And if it passes, if it passes the flavor judge test, you're good to go. But like, that's just my personal philosophy. I know a lot of people tend to just not care. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, in terms of rules, it's just a permanent that you pay two mana every time you recast. What's it, what's the matter? Yeah, that makes sense. I guess there's nothing really extra yeah, I, to you know keep track of or anything like that other than their abilities. Yeah, I I mean. I personally play a lot of weird and wacky commander games. I could not tell you the last time I played like an actual commander game where there were four like legal commanders in the command zone. <laughs> personally, I don't really have a strong opinion either way. I'm just going to go with the boat because like I said, I don't usually play by the regular rules anyway, despite being a judge. Sure. So I don't care what the regular rules say. <laughs> no, that's great. I, I, I approach the rules as common ground, basically. You know, the the, the rules as written are meant to be a, a baseline. Right. And however you want to change that baseline with whoever you're playing, as long as everyone's agreeable, you're good to go. Yeah, they should. They're more like guidelines. Yeah, more guidelines. They should be very <laughs> yeah. flexible. I want to follow up something real quick that Liam said. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in terms of the the rules complexity of introducing a command or planeswalker to command zone is is actually pretty low. In terms of how do the rules handle this, creatures with adventure has been a much bigger challenge than planeswalkers would be. Oh, we I, can, handled yeah, I can that. see that. Creatures, MDFCs with a land on the back, that's been a problem for us. We've handled <laughs> that. Like We could handle planeswalkers with very little changes to the rules. We would we would have yeah. to change almost nothing to make them legal. We just don't want to do that right now. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. The MDFCs are probably more of a, a rules nightmare for the command zone than any planeswalker would be at yeah. Uncommon. Yeah. Dryad Arbor is a thing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I love the I love the Dryad Arbor example for what can and cannot be a PDH commander strictly for the fact that I love the Trinisphere example when you're talking about steps to casting and paying costs of a spell. It's like Trinisphere has its own like little minutia in the rules of like things that set the cost of a spell to a certain thing. The only yeah, thing that does when, extra When you're determining the cost of a spell, you do cost additions and then you do cost reductions and then you do Trinisphere. Like, yep. Trinisphere has its own yep. step wow. in the spellcasting process. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yikes. So uh, fortunately, we don't have Trinisphere in this format. Yes, thankfully. I, goodness thank goodness (laughs) but no i think it was was a good talk i think it's a good way to kick off our 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 multi-part i don't think we've decided how many parts but multi-part sort of talk about the command zone i know we're going to get into some few other what can be in there what cannot be in there and how to handle it that sort of thing we have a cool guest next week so be sure to tune in for that but we definitely want to thank everyone that that tuned in this week in the meantime if you need any more popper commander talk any any more command zone talk or if you have any questions about the format you can email the show at the pod at gmail.com you can head on over to pdh's pdh home base's website or their discord you can hit us up on twitter i'm at popper underscore b and liam where can they find you they can find me on the Twitter at Papa Command. You might find me poking around Discord in the Papa Guild, PDH Homebase, or the PDH Pals Discord. Uh, that tends to be pretty hit or miss. Yeah, but you're Papa Command pretty much everywhere, though. Yes, I am Papa Command pretty much everywhere. I am on Moxfield. Uh, I am not on Reddit. Okay. That's good to know. I'll have to look up some of your, your Moxfield decks. I'm sure you got a whole list of them. Uh, and then, as always, you can find Dave pretty much wherever PDH is being talked about Discord, Reddit. Uh, Moxfield, all that sort of stuff, and then uh, I'll put all the links for the discords and everybody's Twitter or whatever in the in the link in the show details down below. And if you are listening to this show on a platform that allows ratings or reviews, would you be so kind to leave us one? It really helps. It helps our visibility quite a bit, uh, but we do appreciate it. And then, is there anything else that we missed? Anything else you guys need to promote or talk about before we get on out of here? You got nothing. Got nothing, huh? What about you, Liam? I got nothing as well. All right, well, as episode seven of the PDH pod comes to a close, I'd like to thank MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck, play some games, even with Planeswalkers, and we'll see you in about a week. Peace. Cheers. Hey. Hey.